0: As we gather together this morning, we kind of continue a, a journey that we have begun together. And uh, what we're going to be looking at is what does the most impactful speech given by. Oh, and kids are dismissed at this time, to your left with Miss Mary. What does it look like to study probably the most impactful speech, the most impactful human being who ever lived gave? Uh, Jesus, as we talked about last week, is the most impactful uh, human being in the history of the world. I think logically you could easily argue that. And the Sermon on the Mount contained in the Gospel of Matthew is the longest discourse of his that we have. And so I think we can easily make the argument that this is very pertinent for our lives and for, um, for our growth And what we're going to be talking about this morning is ultimately the depth of blessing. We talked a a few weeks back about the depth of unity, how the idea of unity in our church is a little deeper than we often think, and I want to kind of make that case for blessing this morning. And if you've been a Christian for a while, you know that as Christians we have like certain lingo, right? And so, um, I don't know if you've ever been in a conversation with somebody, but sometimes when you're talking to somebody, and you kind of want to imply that you're a Christian, but you don't want to like totally bring it up, you say something like, I hope you have a blessed day. Use that word blessed, right? Like I was, uh, we were ordering some more chairs for the chapel this past week, and I was on the phone with this lady who was delivering them for us. It was a very frustrating conversation, but she kept saying the word, I'm blessed. And I think it was partly because she knew that maybe we were ordering chairs for a church service but oftentimes we use the word blessed as Christians to say, I'm good, but I'm not just good, I'm good in terms of God's eyes, right? Like it's like, that's like the Christian version of good, I'm blessed. And what we're going to look at this morning is a a section of scripture called the Beatitudes. And what you'll notice is Jesus begins walking us through this idea of blessing. And he begins walking us down this, this, this road that says, blessed are these people, and blessed are these people, and blessed are, Are these people? And he keeps saying that word over and over again. But I want to make the argument this morning that we often miss the full meaning of what Jesus is saying because the Gospel of Matthew is a very special gospel in Scripture. If you've ever had a hard time reconciling the Old Testament and the New Testament, or maybe reconciling Jesus and the Old Testament, and you wonder how those things work together, if you've ever had those kinds of questions, let me submit to you that I believe the Gospel of Matthew is somewhat of a bridge from the Old Testament into the New Testament. The Gospel of Matthew, I believe, is not just the first Gospel because they decided Matthew was the first Gospel in order of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, but the Gospel of Matthew is first, I believe, because it was written to a Jewish audience who would have been wondering how Christ now fits into the Old Testament. And so everything that that Matthew writes in his Gospel and everything that he records about Jesus is ultimately from a Jewish perception And in the Jewish culture, the word blessing didn't just mean good, it didn't just mean happy. Blessing was a special, deep, and powerful statement to a Jewish person. Blessing wasn't just good, blessing was like, God has his hand on my life and I have his favor because I am in a relationship with him. God loves me and I have faith in his love for me, God has blessed me, and it was a very deep statement. And so if we don't understand the Old Testament concept of blessing, and we dive right into Christ's words in the Sermon on the Mount, we're just going to get a bunch of general statements you may remember in Genesis 12, the, the, the famous part where God blesses a man named Abraham. The world was, was very wicked, it was very cruel, it was very rebellious against God, and there, yet there was a man named Abraham and his family. And in the midst of the, the brokenness and the deception of the world, Abraham loved God. He loved what is good, he loved trusting God, he loved obeying God. And so in Genesis 12, God sees this and he looks down and says to Abraham, he says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And Abraham, I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you, I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. And in the Old Testament right here begins this moment where God begins blessing Abraham and his family. And the crazy part about what God says to Abraham here, about how all families will be blessed through him, is Jesus Christ, God himself, actually comes from the line of Abraham. Ultimately, I believe what he was referring to was was Jesus Jesus was the fulfillment of this blessing. Through Abraham, he was going to restore the world, but ultimately through Jesus, who had come from Abraham's line. And so then, when Jesus comes, he begins walking us through this idea of what it means to be blessed because the entire audience of the Gospel of Matthew would have had one question How can I be blessed? And so many people, they want a good life. Like, like we all want a blessed life, don't we? We want, we want favor, we want money, we want all these things, right? But what would it look like if God had a special hand on your life in every single thing that there was? And that's what we're going to look at this morning. Because blessing is ultimately God's favor upon God's people. And what I'm going to submit to you today is ultimately, blessed are those who see their need for Jesus. The world tells us we have to do a bunch of stuff in order to find good things. You have to do all the right things. It's a new year, and so I'm trying to eat better, and I'm working out. I did a a Jillian Michaels thing with my wife the other day, and it about wore me out. I literally thought I was passing out as I was doing it, you know? And as good as all those things are, right, and as good as New Year's resolutions are and all these plans and, you know, how to get the right job and how to get the right schooling and training and all these things, there's something that goes beyond the mere physical. There's something spiritual in this world that we desire. And ultimately, that need is met through Jesus Christ. Turn with me to Matthew 5 right now. That's where we're going to be this morning. Matthew 5. Uh, We're going to read verse 1 again, like we did last week, uh, because it gives us some continual context, and we're going to read through verse 12. So at this time, would you stand with me in honor of the reading of God's Word? Matthew chapter 5 says this, seeing the crowds, he went up on the mountain Talking about Jesus. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And Jesus opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. May God bless this word. You may be seated at this time. As always, the Sermon on the Mount provides us um, an opportunity to question everything we've ever known about anything. Uh, I was mentioning to the staff earlier this week that when I read through the Sermon on the Mount, um, it, it probably challenges me maybe more than any other thing you can read in the Bible because so many of the things that we learned growing up and just through our own experience so often seem to contradict everything that the Sermon on the Mount talks about, Right? Um, if I were to ask you, is it good to get persecuted? Is a person who's persecuted blessed? You'd probably say no, right? Like if I'm persecuted for my faith, how could I be blessed? I'm the opposite of blessed. And yet Jesus comes saying that there's some kind of blessedness within our persecution. Uh, this is a very timely word for us in our country, in our time, because um, in case you may have noticed, it, it doesn't feel like the culture that we're in is really going the way of the Bible, it doesn't feel like it's really going the way of Jesus. Um, it doesn't appear, seem like Jesus' worship is growing within our government. It doesn't seem like within our schools and our and our, our public areas. It doesn't really seem like Jesus is a, is a very popular thing anymore. And yet they would they would say that this thing called Christendom is dead, which means that used to there was kind of this tie between our culture and Christianity where like if you were a Christian, it kind of gave you some moral up You were viewed better because you were a Christian, and, and yet nowadays it kind of feels like, almost overnight, that just vanished. Like one moment, it was like, if you're a Christian, you're an upstanding individual, and the next minute it's like, well, if you're a Christian, that means you're mean and hateful and bigoted and narrow-minded, and all the words that get thrown at us. And yet, when Jesus comes, we have to remember that he wasn't the most liked person, he wasn't the most popular person, he wasn't the most tolerated individual. We have to remember that we we follow a Savior who was ultimately murdered on a cross because people did not like the things that he was saying. Yet his death has brought a revolution in this world. His death has begun a new era and and a kingdom, and his, his resurrection has empowered his church to go forward to proclaim this message. But the first thing that that Jesus talks about when he begins this sermon is he says, blessed are the poor in spirit. Once again, that's crazy. Blessed, like, should it be blessed are like the rich in spirit? Blessed are the people who feel good. Why does it say blessed are those who who are poor in spirit? Why is theirs the kingdom of heaven? And this is the reason. Because number one, blessed are those who depend on Jesus. I had a moment this week... um, Those of you who know, we have our vision dinner tonight and all of of our normal kind of church activities. And so for me, this has been one of the busiest weeks of the year. Uh, We have a lot going on, a lot of planning, a lot of preparation. It felt never ending this week. And I went to lunch one day this week. And as I was getting out of my car, I was kind of getting a breather from all things I've been doing all the week or all that day. And I got out of my car and I just felt this immediate sense of just being completely overwhelmed. Have you ever felt that? And what you'll notice is this, is that whenever you begin to feel overwhelmed, now correct me if I'm wrong, you feel overwhelmed one moment and it begins to lead to despair. You're overwhelmed and you feel like there's so much and you can't do it all, there's too much work and there's too much pressure, there's too much stress, too much pain, and then you begin to feel in despair because you are overwhelmed and you can't do it. And then despair turns into oftentimes depression, maybe you've experienced it just a general hopelessness because there's too much, you can't do it, you were sad and now you're just numb. But I tried something different this week. As I got out of the car and I began to feel that sense of being overwhelmed, I remembered reading this text and preparing for this sermon and I said, you know what? No, I'm not going to become despair. God, this is your thing. You've got to fix this. You've got to figure it out. God, you are the one who is all powerful. You are the one in control. And Jesus, you came, lived, died, and rose again to empower me to face anything that I would face. In Christ, I can do all things because you strengthen me, God. So I'm placing all these burdens on you. And in one moment, I went from stressed to blessed. Stressed to blessed. You like that? I ripped that off Joel Osteen. Actually, I did. Rick Warren, different one. Rick Warren. That really happened though. And blessed is the person in this room right now who realizes that they need Jesus. Blessed is the mom who realizes she can't do it all on her own. Blessed is the man who realizes he's not all powerful and he doesn't know anything and he has issues that he has to deal with. Blessed is the child who realizes that without God's power they will never be able to get through school. Blessed is the person who relents. Therefore, God can begin working in their life. You see, the the, the most common border I think we create in our lives, as we talk about being without borders, is we create this border between us and God, it's called self-sufficiency. I can do it on my own. I don't need people, I don't need God, I'm gonna follow the American mantra that if I work hard enough for long enough, eventually good things will come my way, amen? That's what we believe, right? If I work hard enough for long enough, eventually I'm going to catch a break. And you're welcome to try that if you want. And most of you probably have. And you probably realize that it just leaves you tired with a lack of peace and just stressed out constantly. But blessed are those who depend on Jesus. In verse 4 it says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And what he's talking about here is not general grief, though though that is true. God does bring healing to those who, who mourn. But really what he's saying here is, blessed are those who realize they can't do it all. Blessed are those who truly see their sinfulness and their depravity because he will comfort them. Jesus comforts those who realize that they need him. And just like with Abraham that we read earlier, blessing requires faith. If you want the blessing of God on your life, you have to trust God. God says that that you get to choose if you're blessed or not. You get to choose. If you trust God, you will be blessed. If you trust Him for your salvation, if you trust in the name of, of Jesus for your comfort and for your peace, but if you begin looking to your job or to your family or to a certain pleasure, you will not find blessing in that. There may be moments of your happiness, but there's a difference between happiness and God's favor upon your life, which is what we call blessing. The practical application of blessing is you just have to trust God. You have to look to Him. You have to depend on Him. And, and I know that's hard. I, I know that's probably like the hardest thing that we struggle with. It was my birthday a few weeks ago, and my wife planned like a really awesome birthday extravaganza. And... Um, my wife's a pretty creative person, so she decided that instead of like getting me some gifts, which I mean, I love gifts, you know, uh, she was going to plan an entire day in which I got to spend um, the whole day with a couple of my really good friends doing a bunch of really fun activities. And I remember waking up on that morning, she thought that by the day of I would figure out what it was, I'd figure out who I was going to be with or what we were going to be doing, but she kept a really good secret. And some of you actually helped her with this um, here in the church. And so the day of my birthday, or as few days after, I woke up feeling immensely blessed. And the reason I felt blessed is not because I knew what was coming, it wasn't because I knew who I was going to hang out with or what I was, I, I had no idea. I mean, I mean, honestly, for all I knew, uh, the day could have been like horrible, miserable work. She could have arranged for me to spend the entire day like working on a farm, which is not my thing. Right? Like, she, could have, she could have arranged the entire day to be, um, I don't know, doing girly stuff. She could have arranged the the entire day, um, I don't know, working on my car, I, I, I don't know, like she could have made it horrible and miserable and painful, and yet I woke up feeling so blessed because I didn't know the future, but I knew my wife loved me, and I knew she wanted to bless me, and I knew that she had good things in store for me, and so I wasn't worried. By the end of the day, I spent the whole day with two of my best friends, Mike and Evan, who some of you know. And I spent the entire day doing things like shooting guns with my guns, which was a lot of fun. We went to Top Golf, which was really cool. I've never been there before. I'm a horrible golfer, but I'm, I'm good at that kind of stuff, I guess. Um, we also closed the evening by eating at my favorite restaurant. We went on a couple of tours. It was an awesome day. And yet that's the problem with God, right? Like we, we know that God holds our future, and yet sometimes we just can't seem to trust it. We, we worry about what the future holds and what that next step is. We worry about what's coming ahead of us. And yet, if we are with God and if we have trust and faith in Him, then He says that He will bless us and that He will take care of us. And so, you may not know what the future holds, but as they say, you know who holds the future. And so, blessed are those who depend on Christ. And then in verse 7, it says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy, Verse 8, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who live like Christ. Church, you have a lot of relationships in your life. And, and maybe you've noticed that it doesn't take but one bad relationship in your life of any sort to, like, cause a lot of problems and stress in your life, Right? Like you could have a hundred relationships with a hundred people, and yet if there's one tense, stressful relationship, um, you realize that it feels like everything is not going well. It takes a lot of work to live in community with people. It takes a lot to live with your family or your spouse. It takes a lot of um, particular attention to walk in a church community and to love everybody and to be unified. It takes a lot to have friendships and relationships with coworkers. And and the only way that I can tell you to have your relationships blessed is to treat them like Christ treated you. And so in verse 7, he says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall.